Open up your Bible back to Romans chapter 5 is where we left off when we began this series several weeks ago. Romans chapter 5, keys to freedom for your life. This is part two, keys to freedom for your life. In Romans chapter 5, and it says in verse 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Why do we have the problems in the world that we do today? It's because of sin. It's because of sin. It's just, it's that simple. I know people will hear that and they'll say, well, that's just some religious gobbledygook, simplistic mentality. No, friend, it's the only thing that makes sense. And it does in fact make sense. And there are solutions to sin, but they have to be accepted. And if you don't accept God's solutions to sin, you will continue going on, not in freedom, but in bondage, in bondage. Let me ask you a question today. Are you here today pretending that things are right in your life when in fact they're not right in your life? But you're pretending that they are. You know, people can put a smile on their misery, okay? People can put a smile on their troubles, And I'm not saying don't put a smile on it. What I'm saying, though, is this. Wouldn't you like that to be something that's coming from the inside and coming out instead of something we put on the outside, but it's really not on the inside? There are many people living today who are miserable, and yet they don't know why they're miserable. They've tried and are trying everything under the sun for happiness and joy, but run into one dead end, one after another, after another, after another. Sort of like a mouse trying to make his way through a maze. And he keeps going and looking and looking and searching and sniffing and walking and uh, crawling. I guess they don't really walk unless they have very long legs. I'm glad they don't, by the way. Anyway, but what happens? They get to a point, they run into a dead end, then they have to turn around, then they have to go back, then they have to try their way again. Never really being certain of anything, never really knowing where they're going or how this thing's going to end. A lot of people are living lives in quiet desperation today. Why is that? Well, it's because they're in bondage. They're in bondage. Many do not even realize it because it's all they've ever known in their entire life. Why is that? Well, because sin entered into the world and death by sin. We've all sinned. Okay, We inherited the sin nature. The sin nature brings with it bondage. And as long as we stay in bondage to the sin nature, it's all we'll really ever know. We'll have misery and we'll try to ease that, maybe with drugs or with alcohol, which is a drug, or with this thing or with that thing. And yet at the same time, never really satisfying. And then what are people thinking today? You know what a lot of people are thinking today? Well, I know the solution to all this. I'm miserable. And seeing they've already rejected the fact that there's an eternity, which is a demonic idea, they think this. I'll just take my life and it'll be over. Friend, your physical life will be over, but you are going to live on forever. This is the message of the Bible. You cannot escape existence. You can escape life in this world, but you're not going to escape eternity because everybody's going to live on. And every single person, when they die, is either going to heaven to be with the Lord or they're going to spend forever suffering in hell 
away from God. It's not God's will. And he has provided the solution to all of this. See, people are under the burden of their sin. Now let's review the first key that we covered as we began this series in part one, and then we will go on. So keys to freedom for your life. The first one we covered several weeks ago, which is the foundation of all the others, is this. The freedom of trusting Christ as your Savior. The freedom of trusting Christ as your Savior. This is where all true freedom begins. Because of Adam's sin, every person ever born since, with the exception of Jesus Christ, has inherited a sin nature, okay? And is in bondage to that sin nature. Now that sin nature is what causes us to sin. That sin nature is what produces rebellion. That sin nature makes us shrink from the things of God and and do the wrong things that we do as people. You might say, well, I don't do anything wrong. Well, you just did. You lied. Oh no, I'm not lying. I'm a really good person. I don't do wrong things. You're lying to yourself. You're not being honest. Because we all do wrong things. God calls them sin. Romans 3 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now we're in Romans chapter 5. Look back at verse 6 though. It says this, for when we were yet without strength. In other words, we're, we're lost, we're guilty, we're condemned. There's nothing we can do about our situation in ourselves. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly, that's us. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth, that word commendeth means he put on display. For God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a marvelous phrase there. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, friends, Jesus died for us while we were sinners because the truth of it is there's nothing else we could be unless he died for us. And when you trust Christ the Savior, yes, we'll still sin, but the sin has been taken care of by the blood of Christ in light of eternity. I'm going to show that to you in just a moment. But look, look up here. Maybe you've never understood all that Christ has done. Can I explain this to you? I like to illustrate it this way. If we were to pretend for a moment that my left hand represents you and me, okay? Let my wallet represent the things we do wrong. The Bible calls them sin. Here we are, as we've already seen, we're all sinners. Yet God loves us. God hates our sin. Sin is contrary to him. And not only that, sin separates us from him. You can't go to heaven with even one sin. Now, if you think about that and you accept that as true, and it is, it is, then that immediately throws out any idea that you can earn your way to heaven by doing good works. See, because the sin has to be gone. You can take a whole lifetime of good works and pile it on, but it doesn't take away the sin. It just covers what people see of it. Makes you look like a good person. Well, I'll do good works. I'll go to church. I'll get baptized. I'll give money. I'll try to keep the commandments. I'll do this. I'll do that. Wait a minute. Where's the payment for sin? See, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin, in other words, what we've earned, is death. That word death is not only physical death, but spiritual death. Separation. That's what the word death means, by the way. Separation. We are going to be separated from God for all eternity if we don't have a payment for our sin and accept the payment for our sin. 
Because there's nothing we could do to save ourselves, you have to be perfect to go to heaven. No one is. God says, while you're yet sinners, he sent his son to die for our sins. He's our substitute. This hand were to represent Jesus Christ, sinless. He came into the world, God in the flesh. He went to the cross. He took our sin upon himself. He made the complete payment and he rose from the grave to prove it was done. And he says this, if you will believe, believe, put your faith in him that he made that payment for you, he will give you as a free gift, everlasting life, free gift. That may sound too good to be true, but it is true. And that is what God provided. We're in Romans, look at chapter four. Romans four, verse five. See, people think, oh no, I have to do good works to go to heaven. Friend, if good works were necessary, Jesus would have never come, okay? If you could earn your way to heaven, Jesus would not have had to come. Listen, God sacrificed. He offered his son as a sacrifice for us as a substitutionary sacrifice so that we could be saved. He wouldn't have sent his son and offered his son if we could earn our way to heaven by good works. But you can't because we're already disqualified. We've sinned. Romans 4, 5, but to him that worketh not. You don't try to earn it. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him, on Christ, that justifies the ungodly, that's us. You notice that man's faith is counted for righteousness. What brings righteousness into the life of a person? Faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. When you trust Christ as Savior, he gives you his righteousness. He forgives you of all your sin. And it's a gift of grace. Free gift. Simply by trusting Christ, you can have it. He'll never lose you. He'll never cast you out. He gives you everlasting life. This is where freedom begins, okay? Religion won't bring that to you. We have a whole room of people here who can bear testimony to that. You tried religion. You were raised in religion. You, you did this. You went there. You, you were faithful to this. You, you went through this. You went through sacraments or ordinances and all these things. Nothing satisfied. You knew it. Nothing would satisfy. But then you understood the gospel that Jesus died for you, paid for your sins, rose from the grave, and you trusted in him and him alone as your savior. And he saved you by grace and he gave you everlasting life and you were born again forgiven, free. What a difference. See, religion says you must do. Christianity says it is done. Big difference. You might say, what's the difference? Oh, it's just the difference between heaven and hell. If you think you must do to go to heaven, you're not going to heaven. If you think Jesus has done it all for you and your faith is in him, you're going to heaven. That's the difference. When we trust Jesus Christ, the Savior, we are forgiven and we receive everlasting life. We become children of God. We are freed from the penalty of sin. We are free from condemnation. And we are free from the bondage. Catch this now. We are free from the bondage of our sin nature. We still have the sin nature, but we're free from the bondage of it. In other words, we're not slaves to it anymore. We don't have to be a slave to our sin nature anymore. That comes with when you trusted Christ the Savior. The bondage, the chains were broken. This means that we no longer have to yield to sin in our lives. 
This provides real freedom, and this provides the foundation for freedom from our flesh and all that enslaves us in this life. Christian, I got news for you. You do not have to live in bondage to your sin nature any longer. You can do that. We can do that. We can choose to go back and live in bondage, but why would we? Makes no sense. Jesus came to free us, not enslave us. So then why are so many Christians so miserable? Well, while God provides us eternal freedom from our sins, we are still alive here and we still have a sin nature. We have freedom in light of eternity, but we can live in bondage here and now if we go back to the old life that God saved us from. We've seen one key to freedom, the freedom of trusting Christ as Savior, and that's the foundation for all the others. Let's move on, though. Number two is what we're covering today. The freedom of obedience to God's Word. Now listen carefully, because that today, in today's world, that sounds like an oxymoron. The freedom of obedience to God's Word. Look with me to Psalm 119. If you don't know this verse, you ought to memorize this verse. It is so important to understand. See, when we as Christians come face to face with the Word of God, and let's say for an example, we have been entertaining and we've been flirting with and we've been practicing as Christians certain sins in our lives. And yes, you as a Christian can practice sin. Don't listen to any theological nut who says something differently. Well, we sin, but we don't practice sin. Sure you do. Have you ever done the same sin more than once? You're practicing it. Not good, but you're practicing it. Here's the beauty of Scripture. This is how God wants us to see. Psalm 119, verse 45. And I will walk, walk at liberty. And I will walk at liberty. The word liberty means freedom. <laughs> Man, there's freedom. I'm not only freedom from the penalty of sin. That happened when I got saved. I'm also free from the power of sin. It doesn't have to dominate my life any longer. And I will walk at liberty. Why? For I seek thy precepts. Now this sounds very strange to most people today. They see obedience to the Bible as a type of bondage and not freedom. But they're seeing it exactly the opposite of what it really is. They're deceived. The truth of that, the matter is that. They're deceived. Turn with me now to a key passage having to do with this whole issue. John chapter 8. Turn there with me. John chapter 8. <clears throat> Again, this whole idea of freedom, if you follow the Bible, that sounds like bondage to me. Friend, you don't understand the issue of your sin nature. If you live according to your sin nature, you're the one in bondage. The Lord and his word provides freedom for us. Freedom, freedom. John chapter 8 and verse 30, and as he, Jesus, spake these words, many believed on him. So there are many people who heard him and trusted Christ the Savior. Now there were those in the crowd who did not, but there were some who did. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, these are the ones who did believe, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. Now I know the, the world has hijacked that last phrase and they use it in a million different ways. But the only true way to use it is where it's found right here. 
Jesus Christ and his word are what brings freedom into the life of a person. Now you notice he said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. A disciple is literally a learner. That's what the word disciple means. Let me say this. The word disciple and the word believer are two different words, two different Greek words, and they mean two totally different things. A believer is someone who has put their faith in something or someone. You're a believer. A disciple is somebody who is a a learner, somebody who is learning something, and from God's perspective, a learner from God's perspective is he wants that person to learn that truth and then do what that truth says. That's the idea of a disciple, okay? On a practical level, the Lord has in mind someone who learns with the idea of following the teaching that he learns. In other words, he's not just an information gatherer. He's getting information so that he can do what the information says. That's the idea of discipleship. He says, then are you my disciples indeed. You notice what he said? Watch this, because I I want to expose a false teaching here and then put things right. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You notice he didn't say, if you continue in my word, then are you saved indeed. See the difference? Two different things. Because salvation comes only through faith alone in Christ alone. Faith alone has nothing to do with an obedient walk. You don't go to heaven by being obedient. That would be works for salvation. No, but once we are saved, we ought to take the word of God. We ought to learn it and then do what it says. That's why there is freedom in the obedience to God's word. He didn't say, if you continue in my word, then are you saved indeed. No, you're my disciple. You're my learner. You're the one who's learning from me and doing what I say if you continue in my word. Notice the distinction between believing in Christ and discipleship. But it is God's will that we as believers experience freedom. So then why aren't people free? (laughs) Why aren't Christians living in freedom? today. Why are so many people who got saved living like they're lost and they're miserable? Well, there's two aspects to this. The first one is this. You have to know God's word. Knowing God's word. The opposite of knowing God's word is what? Being ignorant of God's word. That's not a derogatory term. The word ignorant means without knowledge. It's the opposite of knowing, okay? There's a lot in this world I don't know. I'm ignorant about that. All that means if I say, well, I'm ignorant about that issue, that means I don't know about that. The opposite of knowing God's word is being ignorant. We need to know God's word. This brings with it, if you don't know God's word, this brings with it all kinds of problems. Why? Listen, because you can't obey what you don't know. And if God wants us to know his word and then do his word and then we'll experience freedom, if we don't know his word, we can't do his word and we can't have the freedom he wants us to have. We can't experience the liberty. We continue in bondage. You can't obey what you don't know. I read something interesting 
One man, his name was Larry Walwode. He was a novelist. He was quoted in the periodical Youth Worker Update, Signs of the Time. This is back in 1992, and he said this. Once out of school, nearly 60% of all adult Americans will never again read a single book. Once out of school. Is it any wonder we're living in bondage today? Let me ask you, Christian, I know you've got a Bible. Are you reading it? Are you reading it with the expectation on yourself that you are going to read it, believe it, and do what it says? Or are we just gathering information? You see, here you go. Pastor, what are you getting at? Here's what I'm getting at. What is really bad is that as we grow older, if we do not know the right decisions to make, which is ignorance, we will make more wrong decisions based on our experience or history of wrong decisions. In other words, you don't know what to do, so therefore you can't make the right decision, so you're making the wrong decision, and then as life goes on, you get in the habit of dealing with things in a wrong way, and that becomes your life. And so one wrong thing leads to another, to another, to another. In other words, we make wrong decisions based on false ideas from the past. And all that does is lead to more bondage in our lives. That's why some people never get out of the rut, never get out of the ditch. As a matter of fact, they get in the ditch and then they keep making wrong decisions and they keep digging deeper, deeper, deeper into the ditch. Sometimes you talk to people, why did you do it that way? Well, It's the way my parents always did it. You know what? Praise God for our parents, but let me tell you something. They weren't perfect people, were they? And we're not perfect people. You know what? If you don't have a higher standard than that to live by, that's not good. Now, praise God for all the godly parents that have come down the road, okay, and who did leave a good example, and that can be helpful. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people today. Listen, folks. There are children being raised today who don't even know who their parents are. It gets worse. Their parents don't know who their parents are. And guess what? Their parents don't know who their parents are. And this is the world in which they live. Marriage means nothing. The sanctity of marriage means nothing. Purity means nothing to them. They've been raised with whatever feels good. That's what you do. That's what they've known. That's what they've been taught by example. And their life is a mess. And the life of their children is going to be a mess. And the life of their children is going to be a mess. Why? Ignorance of God's word. That's the first part. See, the poor. this is why the poor choices of parents often result in the same or worse poor choices in their children. Don't dig holes deeper. There's a solution out of the ditch, okay? But it begins with a knowledge of the word of God. Romans 14, 12 says this, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Do we grasp the significance of that verse? There's a way that seems right, Not there's a way that seems wrong unto a man, and that's the way he goes. Now, some people do that too. But in this case, 
it seems like the right thing to do, but it's not the right thing to do. But it seems like it's the right thing to do. And what does God say? No, that's the wrong thing to do. And if you pursue that, but you're ignorant, so you're going to pursue it, it's going to result in a destroyed life. Destroyed life. Think of the way people are, are raising their children today. Why are they raising them that way? Ignorance of God's word. Most of it's ignorance of God's word. They don't know what's right. They're raising their kids like they were raised. That's why they say, well, you're abusing your children. Maybe somebody is truly abusing their children. Okay? How were they raised? Their parents were abusers of children. They abused them. Their parents were abused by their parents. Do you see what I'm getting at here? One thing after another, after another, after another. Marriage. Instead of when there's a conflict in marriage, instead of settling it in a proper way, what happens many times? It just becomes a screaming match in a marriage. Why is it a screaming match? Well, obviously people are frustrated. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle it. But I got a hunch, most likely, it's a very good chance that one or both of those people, they grew up in homes where things were solved by screaming at one another. So they learn this is how you... It's not necessarily something on purpose. It was caught. Not verbally taught, but it was caught. But it was wrong. Brings bondage. How to get along with other people. Principles of submission to authority. Biblical pattern for local church. What the purpose, why you live your life. What are you living your life for? If you don't know what God's word says, how can you do it? You can't do it. So then you live your life for a purpose which is futile, which is vain, which is empty, which is a waste. And your life becomes a mess. Why? Begins with ignorance of God's word. How can you do the right thing and make the right choices if you don't know what they are? See, if we stumble around in darkness, we will get hurt and we will end up suffering. Listen very carefully to this next statement. People who are in the dark can only rely on their feelings. And we have a world today that lives by their feelings. They live by their emotions. Why? Because they don't know the facts of the word of God. So they just go by their feelings. Everything's feelings, feelings, feelings. It's a huge mistake. Jeremiah 10, 23 says this, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Folks, we do not have the ability to direct our own steps. It's not in us. That's why we need a savior. That's why we need a Bible. A black and white instruction manual that does not change with our feelings. It stands just the way it is. And this is what we need. This is what we need. People say, well, you know, I I don't know about that. I think experience is the best teacher. Where'd you get that? I can tell you this. You didn't get it from God. You know where you got it from? Maybe your parents, maybe your buddies at work. Maybe school, but you didn't get it from God because the truth of it is experience is not the best teacher. God is the best teacher. Experience brings with it many times scars. 
Now, I'm not saying there aren't things we can pick up and learn over time as we live. Yes, we learn things. I get that. That's experience. But wouldn't it be better if our experiences were based on making the right decisions? That's where wisdom comes in. We gain wisdom that way. For any American today, this issue of ignorance of God's word, for any American today to be ignorant of God's word is his own fault, period. We have more Bibles and access to biblical truth today than any other time in human history. We've got printed Bibles. We've got smartphones with Bibles on them. We've got tablets, you know, iPads and so forth with Bibles on them, Bible software. We've got computers. We can listen to the Bible. We can just go on the internet and there's all kinds of websites with the Bible on it. The fact of the matter is we are just plain lazy. That's what it comes down to. If we are ignorant of God's word, we're just lazy. With that, we have false priorities. So this issue of ignorance, which is the first point, okay, There's a solution, a threefold solution to ignorance of God's word. Number one is this, personal time in the study of God's word. This is through reading, studying, and memorizing the scriptures. Psalm 119 verse 130 says this, the entrance of thy word giveth light, it gives understanding to the simple. The entrance of the word, okay? It's sort of like, here's the Bible, and you open it, it's like, ah, okay? We're exposed to the light. We see. We can see. It gives understanding. 1 Peter 2, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. It's God's God's will that all of his children grow spiritually. So personal time in the study of God's word. Secondly, going to a Bible-believing and teaching church. Let me say this today. If you go to a church, now I know if you come to this church what you get, okay? I know what you're going to get here. But if you go to a church where the majority of the time is spent on things other than the the learning of the Word of God, that's not where you ought to be. Because it's the Word of God that we need the most. If you look at New Testament church in the Bible, the focus was on the Scripture, Okay, and on prayer and on encouraging one another. But this focus on the Word of God, remember, they didn't, have, uh, they didn't have the New Testament when they came together. And so they came together and they had to learn. They had the Old Testament scriptures, but you'll see the apostles, and what are they doing in their teaching? They're quoting scripture over and over. It's Bible-centric. What's, what's going on is Bible-centric, and with that Christ-centered, this is the way it needs to be. Learn the word of God at church. A Bible-believing and teaching church. Third, getting biblical counsel from somebody who knows the scriptures. You don't have the answer to something? Find somebody who does. Now, I, I get this. Listen, I get this. You're a new believer or you've been saved for years, but you're struggling with an issue. And you might say, you know what? I know I, I want God's solution to this, but I don't even know where to look. Do yourself a favor, okay? Come get counsel, Now, I don't have all the answers, and if I don't have an answer to your issue, I will tell you that. I won't pretend. But I'll tell you what, friend. Go to somebody who knows the Scriptures better than you do, and maybe they can just point you to exactly what you need. Wouldn't that be great? You could get the help you needed, the direction, the light, 
The answer? Proverbs 12.15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. You know, there are people who say, Oh, well, you're facing this or that? Listen, I've got a book for you to read. And they'll give you a book, and maybe that book has the answer to whatever it is you're, you're wondering about, okay? Or they give you a book to read, though, but that book is like 500 pages thick. Wouldn't it be nice to go to somebody and you say, you know, I'm struggling with this issue. Do you have any ideas? Do you have any, uh, where you point me in the right direction? Uh, what is it you're struggling with? with this? Yeah, I know exactly where to show you. Let me show it to you. 20 minutes later, half an hour later, you've got your answer and it's taken care of. Now it's just a matter of application. That's all counsel is, by the way. When you get counsel, that's all it is. You talk about it, talk about the issue, and you try to find a biblical solution to it. And then you go on from there. If you don't know the answers or you need help finding the answers, then get counsel, okay? If you don't, you will experience various, at various times, suffering in your life because of unwise decisions based on ignorance. Now, all three of these things, I'm not just talking about counsel, but all three of these issues, we've got to get to know the word of God, okay? So what do we see first? We see the issue of ignorance of the word of God. We need to know the word of God, not be ignorant of it. But secondly, we need to obey God's word. And this is key. You can know, I know a lot of people who know the word of God. I know people who have gone to four years of Bible college. They even went on, they went on to seminary and their lives are disasters today. What happened? What happened? It isn't an issue of, well, I tried the Bible and it doesn't work. Friend, shame on you. You know better than that. No, it's the lack of application that is the problem. You didn't obey it. This is key. Several years ago, it's funny how the body changes as time goes on. Do I hear an amen to that? Yeah. All right. Several years ago, one of the things where my body has changed over the years is I would get a cold. You know, everybody gets colds. I usually get one a year or so. You get a cold, you know, if you treat it, you'll have it for two weeks. If you don't treat it for 14 days. And um, <laughs> anyway... But I got a cold. Well, what, what happens usually with me now is I get a cold, and many times at the end of the cold, I'll get a little bit of laryngitis. Well, usually it would last a day, day and a half, and then that was gone and everything was good. And even if I had to speak, I could bark my way through it, and it was no problem at all. Well, now when I get laryngitis, it lasts longer. I, I don't know what, what else. It just lasts longer, and I try everything I hear about and it still lasts longer. So anyways, that being what it is, one year before I got the laryngitis, I had the cold, and what happened is I got a sinus infection, which I never used to get sinus infections, but I got one. And this sinus infection came on me with such vengeance and such awfulness that my face was swollen. My eye was small. And I, I go like this, and I actually had stuff coming out around my eye. The infection was so bad. And I mean, it was like in a matter of three days it got that way. And so I figured, I've got to do something about this. So I went to the doctor. You know, I said, and, and I mean, they, there wasn't one second of argument. We're putting on the strongest antibiotic that we have. And I said, thank you. 
So they filled out the prescription. They called it in the, at the time was going to Walgreens, okay? And went to Walgreens and got the prescription. So here it is, you know, and it'll say, take one in the morning, one at night, or however it was, and take it and take them all. Be sure you take them all. Don't stop once you think it's better because it probably isn't out of your system yet. Okay? So I, I had the pills. Now, how stupid it would have been for me to take those and look at them as my eye is closing and there's stuff oozing out of my eye of infection. How dumb it would have been for me to say, ah, oh, I found the solution. This is great. And I just put it on a nightstand there and go on with life. Truth of it is, I would be dead today if I would have done that. I would be dead. No, friends, I not only got the solution, I had to take the solution. I had to be obedient to the instructions that were given. It's exactly the same when it comes to Scripture, okay? Most people are ignorant of the Word of God, so they don't even have it. They don't even know it. Once we know it, that's great. But it goes further than that. We have to be obedient to it. That's why Jesus said, if you continue in my word. That's the idea of obedience to it. 1 Peter 1.14 says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts, notice this, in your, what? Ignorance. When you didn't know any better. But now that we know better, that's the knowledge of God's word, what does he want us to do? Obey the word of God. That is when we experience freedom from our sin nature. God's children should be obedient. Do you see it in verse 14, 1 Peter 1, 14? God's children should be obedient. This is his will for us. Another passage. Look with me very quickly over to James chapter 1. If you're not there, I'll just start because of time. James 1, verse 22, it says, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. Look at the next part. Deceiving your own selves. We're lying to ourselves. Here I go, I get the prescription. I say, oh, everything's going to be better now. By the way, I didn't die. I get the prescription. Oh, everything's going to be better now. And I just put it down. I'm deceiving myself. Things are not going to get better. I have the answer. I have the solution. But I have to apply the solution to get the desired results. The same way in the Christian life. Friend, your life can change. You're a Christian. You may be living in some sort of a bondage to one thing or another in your life. Your life can change, but it's a matter of learning, getting the solution, finding the solution with that, and then doing it and living out that solution. That is what brings the freedom. If we don't live out the solution, it won't work. Let's say, this happens a lot with Christians. They get the solution. They start living out the solution and they're pumped. Man alive, it was great. Man, I didn't know. I was, I was just, my life was the pits. My life was a disaster. I'm saved. I knew that, but my life was a mess. And I'm so glad I came over the solution. And now I have the solution. Things are great. The sun is out again. The birds are chirping and everything's good. Two weeks later, things are so, what happened? What happened? You know what they did? They only took a little bit of the prescription. And then they quit. No, it's got to be a change. It's got to be a change. Get the change of direction. 
Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, verse 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, that's the word of God, law of liberty, and continueth therein. That's discipleship. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Okay? I hope this makes sense to you today. Listen, God's desire is for us to live in freedom to live in freedom, okay? That's his desire. He wants us to know his joy. He wants us to know his freedom. But we have to know the word of God and then we have to live in obedience to the word of God and God will produce that. Does that mean we'll never have problems? No, but we'll get the solutions to those things, to where things can get better. And if we start falling back, if we know the solutions, we can start doing them again and things can get better once again. Now, let me say this today. Maybe you're not even a child of God yet. You've not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let me show you John chapter 3 and verse 16. We'll have it up here on the screen. John 3 verse 16. Look what it says. For God so loved the world. That's you. God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He sent Jesus to die and pay for your sins. That whosoever believeth in him, you put your faith, your trust in him. Two promises to you. You shall not perish, that means go to hell, but have everlasting life. All you have to do is believe, trust in Christ. And God says, the moment you do, you have everlasting life. You have everlasting life. means you're going to heaven no matter what. Will you trust Christ today? Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.